Today we're continuing our series, our Being Church series, by looking at what it means to be a sending church. And today we'll be formally sending out our ninth church plant, which I announced in the Vision Talk back in February. So this morning we'll be commissioning, and we'll do the same again tonight, Paul and Steph Lowe, who have been on our staff for a number of years. We're sending them out with a team to plant a vineyard in Manchester. Uh, the team is quite large going with them. They may not all be here, to, here today, but some of them will be. And we're excited to be able to pray for Paul and Steph and the whole team today as they start out on this adventure of church planting. So going back a little, to, towards the end of last year, Paul and Steph were at uh, our house, and Debbie and I were talking with them about how valuable they were to us and to the church and how we would like to, them to take on more responsibility in their role and what that might look like. And when at the end of our little speech, we said, what do you think? They replied, well, there is actually something we need to talk to you about. <laughs> that they believe the Lord had been speaking to them with increasing clarity about planting a church. And our initial thought was, oh no, no, we can't afford to lose you. But as we listened to the ways in which the Lord had been speaking to them, we realized this was actually something God was clearly initiating. And we looked at each other, Debbie and I, very quickly and said, this is the Lord. And so we quickly affirmed what they were saying, and we began to talk about the potential timing of them going. When the Lord asks us to give away, to make sacrifices, the only appropriate response is to say yes. Trying to hold on to Paul and Steph because we didn't think Trent could afford to lose them would be futile. And we know that God is always faithful. If we submit to his plans, things will work out. Now, Paul and Steph were on Tom's team, and so he needed to start planning how we would uh, cope with their going. And over the following months, he talked to other staff members, people on their team, particularly Paul's team, to get a handle on who might be going with them, who might be staying, how do we rebuild, what reshuffle responsibilities, and so on. And it turned out that, in fact, everyone was going. So um, nine staff felt prompted to give up their jobs here with no promise of any job in the future, but simply to move on this pioneering team and to go and help plant the Manchester Vineyard. Ouch, nine staff going. That's challenging. And as we realized so many staff are going, how were we going to cope? Not to mention there are other leaders who are not on staff who are also going. This is hard. Many of you know and love Paul and Steph and others who are going on this church planting team. And as we commission them to go, there'll be a sense of loss, the pain of letting go. And that is real and it's okay to acknowledge that. As we release them, as we commission them today, there is a mixture of pain as we say goodbye and also joy as we release them into what God has called them to do, and we look forward to all that God is going to do through them in Manchester and beyond. Now, we're going to hear a little bit from Paul and Steph in a bit, but before we do, I just want to, be, uh, to look at this issue of being open-handed with what God entrusts to us. As with any resource, whether it's our money, whether it's people, God invites us to be generous. Being generous is one of the five hallmarks of this church, one of the things that is very precious to us in our DNA, one of the things which describe the way we do pretty much everything we do, hopefully everything we do. And so I just want to look today about, uh, talk about some principles of generosity 
that I see in a few different Bible passages, it'll help us frame our thinking as we give away today these precious people, and also we invest financially in helping get this new church established. I'll talk more about that at the end, because we'll be taking a special offering next Sunday to help the Manchester Vineyard get off to a really flying start. So here are four principles on giving and generosity. First of all, remember what you have received. And we see this principle again and again in Scripture when we read about giving what we have. We are also reminded that what we have, we were given. Paul and Steph and the others who are going from here to Manchester came here from elsewhere. God brought them to Trent. And we've benefited hugely from the years that we've enjoyed with them. We thank God for the blessing they've been in many of our lives. And uh, the Apostle Paul, one of, not this Paul, the old one, one of the founding fathers of the early church. <laughs> yeah, we haven't just promoted you, sorry, mate. You know. <laughs> he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth in modern-day Greece, and in this letter to Corinthians, he's asking the church to give a financial gift towards another church, which was in financial difficulties. And in the middle of encouraging them to give, he says this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. It reminds them here, he reminds them that what they had, their seed, their bread, was supplied by God. What they had to give away had been supplied by God in the first place. Now, by any measure, Trent Vineyard is, has received a lot, you know. Uh, God has given us amazing people, given us extraordinary gifting in so many areas, wonderful facilities, significant financial provision. Everything we have comes from Him. He's supplied it all, and we can trust Him to continue to provide as we faithfully steward what He's already given us. When Jesus was giving instructions to the 12 disciples about how to take his message out, the message of the kingdom out to the streets, he said this in Matthew 10, verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And Jesus begins his giving statement there, freely you have received. You have received, he's saying to the disciples and subsequently to us, the kingdom, all its benefits, the gifts of healing and the gifts of prayer and gifts of freedom from oppression. All those things were given to us by our Father free of charge. Every good thing this church has, the people, the leaders, the resources, it is all a gift from God that we have received. We've not worked for it and earned it. It's all gift. And so as we, as we have so freely received, Jesus wants us to freely give it away. Remembering what we've received from God really sets the framework for our understanding about giving. The second principle then is this, give from the heart. In that same passage, verse 7, this is what the Apostle Paul says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul says, give from your heart. This is a heart issue. It's an attitude of heart that accompanies our giving. And so we can give, we can release people on a church plant, or we can give financially, we can do so begrudgingly. 
through kind of gritted teeth resistantly, or we can give with joy, with willingness. The message translation of that verse says this, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. The way we give is so important to God. God is looking at our hearts. And here the word Paul uses for cheerful or delight is the Greek word hilaron, from which we get the English word hilarious. There is a hilarity in giving. There is joy in giving. And God loves the attitude his followers have towards giving, which is joyful. As we part with our resources, there's a, there is a, a hilarity to that experience, an experience of joy. Now, that can be difficult to do, can't it, to give cheerfully. For those who know Paul and Steph and their team, we are losing relationships, at least the side of heaven, geographically we're losing them, which can be painful. The church is also losing their giftings, their experience, their leadership. And it's important to acknowledge that there is pain in processing loss in relationships. And with so, so many others leaving staff and members and others as well, it can feel costly as gaps are left behind that need filling. But in spite of all this, we need to keep hold of God's invitation to give cheerfully, to give with delight, to open-handedly give away, trusting that the Lord loves to bless our cheerful giving. We've been incredibly blessed by being part of Trent. Think for a moment, would you, about how enriched your life has been because this church exists. Some of you have been here a long time, some of us your first week, but at various levels, just think how enriched your life has been by being part of this community of faith. Now think of those the Lord will bring to the Manchester Vineyard, people who are far from God, who will find salvation, people without hope, who will find hope, people in need, who will be provided for, people who are spiritually dry, who will come alive people whose marriages and relationships are falling apart, who will have them restored, and on and on. And we get to be a part of establishing a church in Manchester which we anticipate will make a huge impact for the kingdom of God. And whatever size it grows to, we anticipate it will touch the lives of thousands of people. And you and I will be joined in heaven by loads of people who will only be there because the Manchester Vineyard was planted. And that, I think, is cause to give cheerfully. That is a delight. That is something really delightful to invest in. The third principle is this. We receive. When we give, we receive to give again. When Jesus teaches on giving, he doesn't hide the fact that the reward of receiving is actually an incentive to give in the first place. Jesus in Luke 6, 38 says this, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So we can give, as we give, we have confidence that we will receive. Now it's important to note that it is not necessarily the same form as that which was given. If we give financially, God is not an automatically multiplying slot machine. This is not a way to wealth. If we give financially, we're not specifically promised more finances. Often it is the case that we reap what we sow. As we sow forgiveness, we reap forgiveness. As we sow judgment, people are judgmental towards us and so on. But um, God, what we can be sure of is that God will choose to bless us as we give in whatever way he chooses. 
When we give to God and His purposes, He keeps on giving back to us a multiple of what we've given. And so if we use a teaspoon to give, He will give us multiple teaspoons back. If we use a bucket to give, He will give us multiple buckets back in terms of blessing. We can't outgive Him. The principle applies to our financial giving, but it also, of course, applies to people. It costs us as we let Paul and Steph go, this team go, but we know that God will provide others to take on leadership and staff roles. He will open up new relationships. We won't lose out by letting go of what God is asking us to give. As we give and God gives us more, it's not so that we can arrive at a place of then holding on to that blessing and just keeping the more. The challenges will continue to come over the years. That's part of our calling. And Paul explains this to the Corinthian church here in verse 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. We give out of God's riches that he's entrusted to us and we receive so that we can give again. Over the last 13 years, we have planted eight churches from here. Today will be our ninth. And some have been planted by staff members, some by leaders who weren't on the staff. One of those church plants, having touched the lives of many, closed after about 12 years, but the others are all thriving. And every time we've sent out people from here to plant a new church, those who have gone have left gaps. Sometimes we've wondered how we would cope without them. But every time the Lord has given us more, People have emerged who otherwise may not have done. God's continually enriched Trent as we have given people away. We are a truly blessed church. We have been made rich in every way. And we must always remember the so that part of that verse. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. This is something that John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, there are now vineyards in Dozens and dozens of countries around the world, between 1,500 and 2,000 vineyard churches, I think, across the world. And they began, essentially, with John. It's in our DNA. And Sandy Miller, some of you will have heard of, he led a church called Holy Trinity Brompton before Nicky Gumbel took over in London for about 20 years. And he wrote this about John, John Wimber. His generosity of spirit was a model to us. I don't think we had fully appreciated the concept that what God gives you is to be given away. And he quoted John Wimber saying this, you get to give, to get, to give, to get, to give. The last principle is this, focus on the fruit. Same passage and verse 11, this is from the message translation. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. The message version here describes that giving grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, and today's NIV, my translation, will also, God will also enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Paul is talking here about having a fruitful life. There's a domino effect in giving such that when we really learn to give, it releases blessing in all of the other areas of our life, including our spiritual life. And what I think Paul's saying here is that we will personally benefit in our life with God 
from our decision to be generous with what God has given us. But that's not the only fruit. Our giving will mean that others will give praise and thanks to God. It will overflow in thanksgiving. When we give God our resources, God can use those for the benefit of His kingdom. And there are people right across this country that are now, and indeed other countries, now in relationship with Jesus because we, Trent Vineyard, have sent out churches. Not to mention the countless people who've been blessed through the various compassion ministries and outward-looking ministries that those churches have started. It may interest you to know that if we add up the numbers who will be this week attending the churches that we have planted, that it's almost identical to the number who will be here total today. It would probably be about one and a half thousand people in this building today, children, youth, and adults, morning and evening service. And that's roughly the same number as will be meeting this week around the nation in the churches that we've planted. Emily, my research assistant, gathered some fresh information in the last few days from the churches we planted from here. And most of them took teams, but I'll just mention the names of the planting couples. So I'm just gonna mention a couple of things from each of the churches, focusing mainly on people coming to faith and care for those in need. But I could you know, go on and do a talk about each of them. Tyneside Vineyard was planted from here by Dave and Nicola Bass 10 years ago. They have seen 100 people make a commitment to Jesus in the last three years. Over the last three or four years, their storehouse ministry has met the practical needs of 2,800 adults and children, providing 80,000 meals. Also 10 years ago, we released Melton Vineyard, which prior to that had begun as a project within this church, attached to this church like a strawberry plant, uh, like on a runner, and then we released them fully to become the Melton Vineyard 10 years ago, led by Neil Swetnam and Elinid Owen. They've baptized 35 people. In the last eight years, their storehouse project has given away nearly 6,000 food bags, worked with over 500 families and individuals. Eight years ago, James and Jen Rankin took a team to Cardiff, and they wrote, it's almost impossible to capture what God has done, but we have story upon story of people encountering Jesus for the first time or rediscovering him after years of being away from faith. Last year, their storehouse provided furniture to almost 100 families referred to them for help. Owen and Claire Lynch planted seven vineyard in Bristol six years ago. They have welcomed around 100 people to newcomers' dinner parties last year, including many who are exploring faith. Their soup-run teams have been providing food and hot drinks and toiletries and a listening ear to about 90 homeless people twice a month. Last year, over 40 vulnerable families received free clothing, equipment, and furniture from their storehouse ministry. And most weeks, small teams respond to referrals from social services uh, by sending small DIY teams into places of vulnerable families uh, and people who are struggling to take care of their homes and gardens. Mike and Flick Newport planted Bath and Avon Vineyard four years ago. They've seen people coming to know Jesus for the first time and many more coming back to church having not been involved in a church. Last month, they baptized 10 people with, a, with 400 at their celebration service. Nine months ago, they launched what they called the Nest Project and have so far provided new and secondhand children's clothes and equipment to preschool children in 180 families. A few months ago, they ran a 1,000 hours project 
with 10 volunteer-led projects running around the city showing Jesus' love to the people of Bath in practical ways. John and Anna Simmons planted Vineyard 53 in Chester three years ago. Since then, they've seen 12 people come to faith. They have a high number of people turn up on Sundays who are exploring faith. And each month, instead of meeting centrally, they leave the building to do something that they hope will have a transformational effect on the city, including renovating buildings and uh, prayer on the streets and, and giveaways. One woman who came to faith found freedom from her addiction to drugs and found hope in the middle of a very difficult situation, and she spoke at her baptism about how Jesus was the best thing that had ever happened to her and that she felt free for the first time in a long while. And she then invited 40 of her friends to her children's dedication. Tim and Hannah Ilsley lead Mansfield Vineyard, which is still connected to Trent in a similar way to the way Melton Vineyard started. And they began two years ago. They've seen six people give their lives to Jesus. They send us a story about a single mum whose children were child-minded from someone in the church. Uh, they were moving house, and so the church organized a two-week food rotor for them. And she was so blown away by their generosity, uh, she then came to faith together with her 11-year-old son. And of course, these little reports are just scratching the surface of what is happening in and through those churches. There are many people, many, many people, who experienced the generosity of those churches, which began with generosity from this church, and it's leading them to thanksgiving. It's leading them to praise God. The result of our giving, of any giving to the Lord and His kingdom, is that others who benefit have reason to thank God, or as Paul puts in the NIV, to overflow with many expressions of thanks to God. They thank God that we were able to give. They'll probably never be able to thank us personally, but their thanks is directed towards God. And I love the flow of this giving cycle. Everything we have is given by God, is given back to God. He then blesses and gives more in response, and ultimately, He receives all the thanks and praise. So next Sunday, we're going to be taking a special offering to help get the Manchester Vineyard started. We've already given some money from our set-apart fund to help with some initial expenses, and we're underwriting an amount which will enable them to hit the ground running without Paul needing to do a tent-making type job. But we really want to cover all that and more from this special offering. Rather than just writing large checks from Trent's set-apart fund, we believe it's a very powerful thing for each of us as individuals to invest directly in this plant. And the money we give will go towards a deposit on the house they're buying. Property is more expensive in Manchester. And together with the Vineyard Movement, which is also investing, enough money to live on for at least a year as the church gets established enough to afford to pick up that cost. So I'm inviting you all, if you would like to, to join Debbie and myself in giving something on top of our regular giving next Sunday. If you won't be here, there'll be details. Just look on the website. There'll be a link there. You'll be able to give online. From the seed which God has provided for us, let's generously sow into what we believe will be a wonderful church, which will have a huge impact for God's kingdom in Manchester, and which in due course will no doubt plant other churches across this land. 
So we're now going to hear from Paul and Steph, after which we will commission them. So would you please welcome Paul and Steph Lowe. Well, thank you. Doesn't really cut it at times like this, does it? But what a journey it's been so far. We didn't um, expect to be standing here right now. I'll never forget the first time we walked into this church. We walked in that door. And by the time we'd got to that door, um, we, we knew this was the church for us. We'd always been in and around the vineyard movement. But as soon as we came here, we instantly felt at home. And by the time we'd gone from that door to that door, We'd gathered the small group leaflet, the giving leaflet, the getting involved leaflet. And by the time we'd gone from that door to the bar area to get some refreshments, we'd had three invites, three separate invites to go to people's homes for dinner. What a welcome. What a church. And it's fair to say that we're both feet in um, kind of people, but the warmth of welcome that we received when we came here and have always felt here has been quite astonishing. This church has been a huge blessing. We've been trained, released, encouraged, challenged, stretched, and championed by this church family and have learned so much from you all. We'll be eternally grateful for that. We've made some phenomenal friends across the ages and stages of life and have had the pleasure of working with some outstanding colleagues. And I know we're kind of in danger of starting to sound like we're giving you a thank you speech at the BAFTAs, but honestly, our hearts are just full and overflowing of thanks for you all. And John and Debbie, Tom and Helen, thank you. Um, thank you for the privilege of being able to serve on the staff team of this church. You've taught us more than you may ever know. Uh, we'll always be so grateful for your passionate, courageous, faith-raising pursuit of Jesus, your generosity to us, your belief in us, and the way you have championed us has been truly humbling. The leadership and the influence of this church, we knew it anyway, but as you go, you become more aware that it is way beyond this city. It's way beyond the United Kingdom, and we now stand on the shoulders of the giants that have paved the way and in so many ways gone before us. With all of that said, why would you ever naturally want to leave this church? He makes a good point. I suppose that brings us on to why we are actually leaving. Um, so, rewind, 16 years. In the summer of 2000, we both took part in the message in Manchester. This was a social action initiative working in partnership with churches and local authorities across the city. We spent our days on social and emo emotional, environmental projects, they were emotional, um, around the city and during the evenings, thousands of young people gathered together to worship God. It was at one of these meetings that we each had the most profound encounter with the Holy Spirit than ever before. It was a life-changing moment as we committed our lives afresh to God. The very next day, we met each other and five years later, we got married. So now we find ourselves 16 years on just having moved to Manchester. And amazingly, having never lived there, it really does feel like a homecoming. God has been so generous to us in speaking so clearly and confirming again and again through the natural and the prophetic that this is indeed his plan for us. 
We've had um, prophetic words about church planting spanning over a decade, um, a number of before we even got married. And whilst we've always written them down and always tried to be faithful um, in listening to what God might be saying, it wasn't until more recently that those words and those promptings made much more sense or really began to resonate with us. Over a period of about six months, we received a crazy amount of words about church planting and had an increasing sense that we need to work out exactly what God was saying. And so a couple of Christmases ago, we were really wrestling, but it really didn't sit right with us. The timing felt so wrong. John and Debbie were just about to um, pick up the leadership of the movement. It didn't feel right for Trent. It didn't feel right for us. And so we resolved to lay it down, and we had an incredible sense of peace about that. Then after only, a matter, uh, after only a matter of weeks, there was a sudden increase again in the prophetic to the point where it was getting a bit intense. There was more than 70 words, uh, quite profound some of them, um, in one year. And so we went on holiday thinking that we could lay it down, get away from it all. And the guy next to us on the plane, just before we took off, he turned to us and he said, are you guys thinking of starting a church in the north of England? You know, this guy, he didn't follow Jesus. He'd only ever gone to church for weddings and funerals. And so we were grilling him. Why would you say this? He didn't know what made him say it. But apparently it just kind of seemed obvious. I mean, what to who? Um, and when people who aren't following Jesus are having prophetic words for you about church planting at the exact time you're wrestling with should you church plant, it's probably time that you started to realize it's game over. And, and there's many more similar stories. Our journey up to this point has not been without its challenges and pain along the way. But it was never promised that life would always be easy. It is the case, though, that God will always be good and always be faithful. We have faced some devastating blows that could have wobbled us off course, even very recently. But God has been so good and so kind to us. And if anything, the pain we faced has only strengthened our resolve to live out the purposes of God and to see the lost reconciled to him. One of the amazing things about church planting is that it causes you to seek out opportunities to actively share your faith. I mean, we even try and strategically put our bins out at the time that everyone else is putting their bins out, just so that we can sort of naturally bump into them. <laughs> We're living in a rented house currently, and the fence, it's fair to say, has seen better days. So we rang our landlord to say, would you mind if we replaced it for you and treated you to it? Of course, he said, just let me know how much it comes to and I'll reimburse you. He could not get his head around why we would even want to do it, let alone pay for it, which led to a fascinating conversation. And now he wants to meet with us, to discuss our faith, and to find out what is causing us to be, or want to be, so generous to him. As you've always taught us, we do everything within us to share Jesus with the people around us. One of the guys coming with us, he's joined a Frisbee club. Uh, another one um, had his neighbor say to him recently, I don't know that many people in this city. Why don't you get your mates and I'll get my mates and we'll have a barbecue. And we're like, you're kind of doing our job for us. This is brilliant. Um, I'll just tell you another story. This last week, we were watching the football uh, in a pub with a, a group of people and, 
one of the guys that had come to watch it with us is exploring faith and is considering joining us as we get the church going. During the second half, he was in tears, not because the game was so bad, although it wasn't great, but um, because he was so moved by the Holy Spirit and because he had come to an awareness of his need for Jesus in this point in his life. And that's why we're going. That's what this is all about. I know I said that was the last story. I just want to tell you one more, though. I got a call um, just a couple of weeks ago from a friend who had a friend of a friend who had recently been shot and asked if we'd meet up with this guy that's been shot. And uh, my first reaction was like, okay, um, just asking a number of questions around the circumstances of said shooting. Anyway, I took somebody with me and we're chatting with this guy about what had happened and we offered to pray for him. And he felt that he'd been given a second chance to live and as a result is exploring God and also um, is going to be joining us in these early days. How exciting to be part of these conversations. Mm. We're right at the beginning of this adventure, but we have been amazed by how God has already begun to move among us and we are so excited to see lives transformed as they encounter Jesus for the very first time. We've also been blown away by the group of people that God has gathered around us and continues to gather around us from here across the country and our new home, the great city of Manchester. The servant-hearted, kingdom-minded, risk-taking nature of these people is quite remarkable and we consider it a privilege to do this with them. If we could put our desire for Manchester Vineyard into one sentence, it would be that we long to gather a group of people together who will love Jesus and love Manchester. We want to focus on prioritizing intimate worship with God, being shaped and restored by him, and sharing the kingdom message and ministry of Jesus through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. This is all for him, it's all about him, it always has been, and we just long to participate with him as he builds this new church. You don't give everything up to not absolutely go for it. You know, we have a dream for that city. We dare to believe that we'd see a remarkable move of God and that we'd see a multitude come to know him as we love and serve the city of Manchester and its people. Just to end, Trent Vineyard, we thank God because of you. But above all, to God be the glory. John. So I'm just going to invite the two of you to step down first of all. We'll include your team in a moment, but just the two of you first of all. And this is an important occasion, and <laughs> I ain't tall as that, mate. <clears throat> so we're going to commission. This is an official, about as official as the vineyard ever gets in terms of uh, liturgy. But I'm going to read some stuff over them before we then pray for them. In Acts chapter 13, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and set them off. Sent them off. And so this is what we're effectively doing today. It's clear to Paul and Steph, it's clear to us and to the Holy Spirit that uh, he is the one, God is the one who's ordained that you should be sent to plant this church. Much prayer has gone into this decision and we know that it is God's idea. It's our job to recognize that and to lay hands on you and to send you with our blessing. But before we gather around you and do that, could I ask you, you already are standing, I'm gonna read this commission. 
Paul and Steph, we have seen the way the Lord has led you as you've spent these many years here at Trent. We've seen your dedication to serving the Lord as you've taken part in so many areas of church life as volunteers and as staff members. We've been the recipients of great blessing because of the tireless efforts you have invested here. We recognize the Lord has called you to move on, and we wish you every blessing as you take this step of obedience and faith. We commission you to go to Manchester, to the people God has intentions for you to minister to. Go in the knowledge that what God has called you to, he will be faithful in enabling to happen. His love for Manchester, the people of Manchester, far exceeds yours, and I believe he is well pleased with you both for your willingness to go. In Matthew 28, Jesus said to his followers, go into all the world and make disciples. Go to every people group, every place that I lead you, go to the particular people I've called you to and make disciples. Preach the gospel, not just with words, but with every action, every conversation, every waking moment. Be ambassadors for Christ Jesus. That text goes on, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you to do. Whether those who come to you are already believers or backslidden believers or unbelievers, the task is the same, to teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded his disciples to do. Equip the saints for service, release people to use their gifts for the extending of God's kingdom. Lead them as under-shepherds of your portion of the flock of God, always mindful of the incredible privilege entrusted to you, the flock which he purchased with his own blood. And the text continues, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Great thing about what you're doing in going to plant and to lead this new church is that it is his mission you are participating in. As you come into submission to his mission, he gives you a co-mission. He is about his work and you get to join in. As long as we're doing what he calls us to do, we can rest in the assurance that he is with us in it every step of the way. As David said to his son Solomon as he commissioned him to begin the daunting task of building the first temple, we can parallel his words here as you go to build this church. He said this, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. They're having challenging times already, and there will be challenging times ahead. But never forget this from 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. The Apostle Paul writes this, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.